Welcome. My name is Ingrid Vasilio Feltas. It is my great pleasure to present a keynote for today's event. I would like to thank you for allowing me to share some of my thoughts on blockchain and specifically why I do believe that blockchain can be the catalyst for a new healthcare ecosystem. Here's a brief overview of what I plan to share with you over the next few minutes. I'll first touch on some global healthcare trends that I think are conducive to building a global blockchain-powered healthcare ecosystem. Then I will highlight uh, the market trends and the growth that we expect. Some key features that define blockchain and why it can be conducive to building global healthcare ecosystems. Some strategic considerations, future directions, and we'll end with uh, an opinion on how to build blockchain blockchain ecosystems globally, not just for healthcare. With the pandemic, we've seen tremendous increases in adoption of virtual care, increased interest and less resistance to change to, to deploy AI at an enterprise level, as well as marked increase in investments in hybrid emerging technology deployments, such as um, quantum, AI, blockchain, nanotechnology, and several others. When we look at the blockchain healthcare market, there is clear signal that we will experience growth and specifically some of the latest publications show a KGR of 8.7% during the upcoming five years with a projected value of 3.49 billion. When I discuss blockchain for any industry, but specifically for healthcare, I'm often asked, why blockchain? And it is my professional opinion that some of the benefits that private or hybrid blockchains can offer are addressing the major points in healthcare. We're not gonna go over every key feature that, that blockchain technology can offer. However, I would like to highlight a few, specifically access, proof of ownership, proof of authority, ability to have restricted data sharing, and particularly some of the auditability features are really essential for creating global healthcare systems. When we think about blockchain healthcare strategy, of course there are multiple elements we could address. However, I do wanna call your attention to a few that I think are crucial. I can't emphasize the importance of feasibility analysis enough. Oftentimes out of a desire to deploy blockchain because the use case is great, we're encountering situations where parties, both vendors as well as organizations that wish to deploy blockchain do not engage in a very rigorous feasibility analysis um, process. And that unfortunately leads to long-term negative consequences. Similarly, I, I think the issue of privacy is really important and within the privacy umbrella, there are many elements to address, but I think uh, granular consents, dynamic consents, digital identity are something that we need to have on our agenda because they don't only apply to healthcare and life sciences, but they also are very relevant to voting and financial industry and many other um, aspects that uh, not only we, we deal with in the United States, but even globally. And then 
of course, the cybersecurity aspects. And I, I will venture to say that having healthcare specific uh, security features and standards would be really important. Uh, and then last but not least, interoperability. As we've seen with other technology deployments in the past, if we do not address interoperability early, it always leads to problems down the road. And when we talk about blockchain interoperability, we talk about interoperability among blockchains, yes, but also we, we want to emphasize interoperability with other health information management systems. Otherwise, you cannot build an ecosystem. And you might have a beautiful pilot project, but that will never be able to be scaled because you did not address these things from the beginning. So again, talking about healthcare ecosystems and designing your strategy, you want to align it with the general enterprise strategy, of course, but then you also want to think about if that pilot succeeds or the proof of concept that you're doing, how would it scale? And therefore, I do believe that interoperability is, is the key defining factor for long-term success and sustainability. As we all know, ROI and ROA are the most important um, elements when you have to present to a C-suite or to anybody that's interested in deploying blockchain. And I always like to point a few elements of success in, in being able to prove your ROI and your ROA uh, when you're being asked to. Doing a proper risk analysis and showing what potential negative consequences that are usually typical for healthcare you could avoid by deploying blockchain technology is very helpful. Adopting an agile deployment is also really important because if you're going to stretch your project that it, it takes two budget cycles, it's going to be very difficult uh, for anybody to, to prove the ROI and ROA in a meaningful way that, that is conducive for them to be encouraged to, to scale. <laughs> and then last but not least, just deploying blockchain successfully does not mean the job is completed. You have to think long term and thinking uh, from a QA and QI perspective, it's a continuous, never ending, dynamic process that can adjust to all the demands of the healthcare ecosystem, to novel technologies that we can't even predict, maybe it might be on the horizon next year. And like with every other technology deployment, it's inevitable to not have kinks and barriers that need to be overcome. So therefore having an ongoing quality assurance and quality improvement program, even uh, for blockchain deployment specifically, is, is super helpful. There are two elements that I chose to share today. Of course, there are many things in the future that we can talk about, such as creating standards for blockchain, creating centers of excellence for blockchain, creating more research institutes for blockchain. But the two that are very relevant to healthcare delivery and that are acutely relevant now due to the pandemic are the power of blockchain in designing precision medicine global healthcare systems and the potential to really enhance the, the quality and uh, long-term sustainability of a personalized medicine ecosystem. As we know, those are emerging concepts, but if we break silos and work together amongst not only healthcare disciplines, but also between healthcare and other industries, I think we can build some really powerful global healthcare ecosystems that can really redefine the way we approach disease, 
the way we diagnose illness, the way we manage illness, the way we prevent illness, and even the way we uh, think about wellness and longevity. And I would like to close with, with an opinion that I do believe that building blockchain ecosystems is actually the right way to, to uh, scale for any industry, not just for healthcare. And I would um, ask for everybody to please consider using design thinking due to its human-centered approach and to agile innovation uh, methodology that is really conducive to, to engaging with all stakeholders and making sure we do things right because we've, in healthcare specifically, done a lot of things wrong for the last few years in terms of deploying technology. And same thing, we can take the financial industry, we can take the, the logistics and supply industry. It's evident more and more that if we wanna scale and have successful long-term uh, blockchain powered uh, systems around the world, we need to think in an ecosystem way. And we need to engage all stakeholders at every single uh, le level. So that concludes my presentation. I really would like to thank not only the organizers, but our sponsors, our participants, and of course the attendees for their attention. It's a great privilege to share some of my thoughts with you. Thank you so much. Uh, we're gonna get started with our first team from uh, New Advanced Technologies. They're gonna be pitching on improving healthcare provider data accuracy and dissemination using blockchain. I did, yes. Okay, excellent. Yeah, we have already sent out uh, the thing, I guess. Yes, so we did, um, so yeah, so the panel actually did a preliminary scoring on the information that the teams provided via greeting format, you know, um, as part of the registration for the event. So we're also gonna be sharing the preliminary scores uh, that the, that the uh, panel uh, assessed after the presentations. But these are new forms. So all the panelists, please complete the new forms uh, after the presentations. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Orlando. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, my name is Francois Guijoy. I am the founder and chief innovation officer of New Advanced Technologies. And we are happy to, to be here today to share the work that we are doing on blockchain and how we use it to improve healthcare provider data dissemination and accuracy. So we put together the, the, the agenda. So we are going to talk about our product. So the first objective is about, you know, talking about the use cases that the product addresses and then we are going to talk about the work that we have done so far and the work that we are planning to do in the next five years. And then the third items will be about the business capabilities that the product implements and the pain point that we solve. And the last item in the product will be about solution architecture where we share a side-by-side -side comparison between the current and the target state, and then we'll end with questions and answers. So this is our uh, use cases. So the first one is about healthcare provider data dissemination. The key here in that use case is about how we share the provider, accurate provider data in a timely manner in real time. 
So this use case, how we'll see the roadmap is currently running, the proof of concept is running in production. The next use case that we tackle is about building a single authoritative source of truth of provider information. We call it provider director. So we have it in the roadmap. And the third use case is about healthcare business automation. How we can automate business processes such as provider enrollment and claim payment. And the goal is in the long term is to automate a lot of business processes, manual tasks, and in the long run, remove the middleman, such as you know, the Medicare administrative contractors for provider enrollment or clearing houses for claim payments. So this is our roadmap. So we started uh, in two at the end of 2019, and we officially kick off the project, the proof of concept of provider data dissemination. In the first quarter of uh, 2020, we deployed the first version of provider data dissemination in our local environment. And then we migrated that uh, proof of concept in the, in the cloud. So we are using Hyperledger and the IBM platform. So the, that proof of concept is actually running on the cloud right now. In the remaining two quarters of 2020, we are planning to add some more analytics and start integrating some real, uh, some, some real users, stakeholders, such as providers and payers. 2021, so we are planning to work on provider directory to reuse some, um, some of the information that are available to load in our platform. And 2022, 2025 is about automation. Start looking at provider enrollment, how we can leverage the provider directory to enroll providers. At this point, I'm going to turn it to my colleague, Abilash Rao, to talk about the business capabilities that the product implements and also the solution architecture of the product. Abilash? Thank you, Francois. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Abilash Rao. Um, this slide talks about the uh, pain points um, in the today's uh, system across various business capabilities or functions and how the target state with the proposed solution uh, blockchain could, uh, could basically alleviate those pain points. So the first in the area of claims management, today we see payments being failed or denied incorrectly. And uh, in the referrals area, we see uh, there is an inability to locate providers and to uh, submit referrals. And we believe the blockchain uh, could, could satisfy these pain points in the credential um, there is often a delay when a provider can begin seeing patients because credentialing a provider could take time. And eventually with the blockchain solution that we are proposing, uh, it, it uh, reduces the time in, involved in credentialing a provider, thereby they could start seeing a provide uh, patients in a network faster. Uh, provider directory is a use case. And today you often see inaccurate data or users not able to access providers within a network. In the program integrity space, uh, you have uh, 
fraud, waste, and abuse that may go undetected today, uh, which uh, which can be fixed in the uh, blockchain solution. In the information exchange, uh, there is always a, a, a lack of information exchange across various uh, agencies like CMS, TRICARE, and private payers. We see that the blockchain has potential to fix the information exchange problem where each agency is today, they're getting information in a siloed way from the provider. It could be seamlessly coming from the blockchain. In the shared infrastructure, as we see today, there is no single source of truth for provider data. And uh, that, that single authoritative uh, source could be the blockchain uh, platform. And that's where we could fix it in the target state. Yeah, here we see uh, the solution architecture, the current state on the left and the proposed state on the right. So today you have provider working uh, in a siloed way across all agencies such as CMS, private payers and TRICARE. Private payers really include uh, health insurance companies, United, Athena, and things like that. So um, you, you have to work independently across each of the agencies uh, who are managing uh, healthcare. CMS manages Medicare, TRICARE is for veterans, uh, separate and private payers. So um, in the right, it's more seamless where a provider participates in a blockchain and all these agencies connect to the blockchain and seamlessly get the same information. And today information is scattered across all these agencies. And in the blockchain, it could be more seamless and you reduce uh, data inaccuracies and things like that. So we have a couple of statistics uh, below and we have provided a link uh, that, uh, that has uh, the source for these statistics. Uh, today we see a provider group with five physicians uh, kind of manage an 8,400 data points on average across 12 payers at a given time. And that drastically reduces to 700 data points in the blockchain solution. And uh, CMS, for example, have uh, 85 need uh, requires an 85% accuracy for provider directory, and the fines for beneficiaries could go up to 25,000 for per beneficiary for errors. And seconds. Yeah, and uh, the, whereas in the blockchain, the provider directory is accurate and no fines against payers, and the data updates across these agencies could take up to four months to get reflected, whereas in the blockchain solution, it's uh, real time. Back to you, Francois. Thank you. Okay, so thank you, everyone. This is the end of our presentation, and we are open to questions. Uh, from our uh, next team, who are the um, electronic prescribing platform uh, by uh, Air Systems. Hello, everybody. My name is Tyler Seberg, uh, CEO and co-founder of Ear Systems, and my brother Ryan's here as well, Vice President. Um, our first product that we're rolling out is Pager Prescriptions, standing for Prescription Abuse Greatly Reduced. Um, and we are envisioning it to be the next uh, e-prescribing network to really take hold in the market. Um, we began our, our journey, sorry, have the uh, presenter thing blocking my next. <laughs> uh, we began our journey in 2018. Uh, we were founded with the intention to help alleviate problems with the opioid crisis. Uh, myself, I had several friends that overdosed, and Ryan, being an ex-professional athlete, really understood a lot of the issues that were going on around that. Um, and so our team uh, got together and started figuring out ways that we could really solve this through interoperability and security. Um, and so we brought on some developers and really started toying with the idea of what can we do. Uh, we realized that we didn't have the most medical expertise to figure out this problem. 
So we teamed up with several advisors that are really truly experts in the field. Our father, David Seberg, has been on multiple boards of hospital systems in select states. Amy Grog, a former executive at a Mary Source Virgin. Uh, Dr. David Adair, another doctor and over 30 years of experience. Uh, we really began to dissect this problem and try to figure out what's going on within the prescribing process that's causing so many issues. Um, and after you know, several months of research, we realized the problem with e-prescribing is that there's multiple points of verification and authentication that need to happen in order to successfully write and dispense a prescription. And especially now with telehealth, the remote monitoring has even played a larger effect. So in our diagram here, you see that the patient-doctor interaction, they have to write on an EHR, uh, view information from a pharmacy benefit manager, uh, check to make sure the insurance is correct, send it over to the pharmacy. If it's a controlled substance, they have to view other databases such as the state PDMP and also report it to the DEA. And so having multiple stakeholders operate individually created silos of data that really contributed to larger problems within the prescribing system that uh, affected patients, affected the overall uh, cost of healthcare and effectiveness. These problems, for instance, are hours spent on medicine reconciliation, not being able to accurately track uh, medications for patients outside their EHR, administrative costs, especially for prior authorization um, and callbacks from the pharmacy, uh, preventative medication errors, so allergy to drug, drug to drug interactions. If you're a large healthcare system, having access to these third party tools becomes very costly. And especially now with COVID, competition from telehealth is driving patients away from going and seeing their doctor and using these uh, applications, which uh, you know affects the bottom line of the end users we want to bring on. The market opportunity for this is very large. Uh, for physicians, uh, just the physician side, it's a $2 billion a year industry. We also apply that to the pharmacy side, it's another $2 billion a year just to get those end users activated. The federal government mandated by 2023 that electronic prescriptions uh, for controlled substances have to be electronically prescribed so uh, as you can see right now, currently only 51% of physicians that are eligible to prescribe have that EPCS capability. So it's going to rise in the coming years. The annual cost for comprehensive usage, so again, a large hospital system, it's about $1.6 million to access all these third-party features, pay a development team to integrate them into their healthcare system. And another major thing is uh, uh, annual billing. So prior authorizations, uh, and as well as claims filing is a $31 billion a year industry and something we're looking to tackle within our network. Um, this brings up our product. You know, we build pager prescriptions with the latest software, distributed ledger technology, two-factor authentication, and embedded them with legacy technologies to PBMs and state PDMP databases to aggregate the most data possible and transact it upon the federal and state limitation to make sure every transaction is abiding by the appropriate business logic um, and stored on a secure ledger that can then point to the data and be useful down the line for more holistic health profiles of a patient. Um, again, uh, just to kind of give you a clearer reference, uh, our blockchain network, as you see on the left, creates a system in which all parties can be credentialed and transact on the network, abiding by the appropriate business logic. And instead of having these multiple points of verification, authentication, they're all transacting on one ledger in which the business logic is set forth in it. So you can transact and view data uh, pretty much instantaneously without all these different requests. And another great thing is annotation of data. 
So as you see here, our directory is able to go out to these other third parties and basically point pointers from that patient to say, hey, we have a record in this state database, in this EHR, uh, at this clinic, to make sure that we can pull back the most information around that patient and provide it in workflow-oriented solutions that benefit the provider. So here we have a quick video um, to show you the features kind of in real time of our application. We've actually made some further modifications uh, to enhance this even more. So we're able to pull in the state PDMP report as well as third-party data and provide it in ways to show that medication history. Uh, when we select a drug, we upload that patient's insurance, make sure that it's covered, and if not, uh, we provide the formulary. Uh, some of the uh, enhanced benefits that we are providing uh, right now is the real-time benefits. So we can provide three alternatives, uh, or actually five alternatives to the drug being prescribed uh, and show the out-of-pocket costs to that patient. And if something needs to be prior authorized because it's not covered under that insurance, the doctor can prior authorize that drug and fill out the paperwork in this portal, taking no longer than five minutes. So again, just to highlight our workflow features, automatically supplies information, drug to drug, allergy to drug interaction, as well as any other alerts that we've built in, uh, prior authorization, pharmacy benefits, and, and ensuring the insurance check is really huge for a workflow oriented solution. I mean, last, uh, with the blockchain, we're able to do patient matching. So going out across third parties and matching it um, and being able to pull in uh, uh, that data more and making them compliant. Um, right now in the market, our, our large competitors, obviously these larger EHRs, we're focused on a smaller market, uh, the more rural uh, clinics and hospitals uh, and individual practices that do need to be compliant and also want a cost-effective solution. The smaller corporations, we have more built-out solutions within the workflow that will really resonate well with the customers. Um, our marketing and sales, we do have several partnerships right now, one with the smaller EHR. We're working with SureScripts to build out the latest features in another small clinic group. Uh, we're looking to drop our pilot study uh, in the next couple months to really highlight the benefit of the use of blockchain and the use of our product and uh, to highlight the kind of pricing structure uh, with EHRs, if we wanted to do a partnership and license our software, you can see the pricing model for monthly and yearly fees there. And then for the individual consumer, if we make individual sales, uh, there is a little bit of an integration uh, as well as the monthly or yearly subscription that the user wants, uh, but really trying to enhance the prescribing experience. And as many of us have focused on uh, only incorporating data that needs to be on the blockchain, i.e. sensitive patient data and credentialing of the doctor to make sure we create an interoperable and secure system for prescribing. Um, thank you, yeah. If there's any questions, be happy to uh, address them. Hey Tyler, this is Mike McCoy. Uh, I have a question on attesting uh, a patient to this type of um, to this type of solution and also can someone sign up on this on a mobile application are they only able to do it on a web browser can you, can you give me any of the details associated with that so yeah right now it's a, a, a browser application we've actually are going to release a telehealth platform for uh, open to the public for patients to actually create an account and submit prescription requests and also uh, retain compliance uh, remote compliance of medications and remote monitoring. We're releasing that on Monday, so we've been doing a lot of work on that. But for the doctors, this is a, 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 a basically a, a cloud service application. Anyone with a, a browser and access to the internet can log into the doctor portal. Uh, you have to go through the appropriate verification process before you actually can utilize 
um, the, the features, but yes, uh, it is a browser application. Our next step is to move this into a mobile application uh, to further uh, you know, expand our outreach to customers and make it really easy to onboard new users. Appreciate that. Happy Friday, everyone. My name is Michael Brown. I am the founder and CEO of Cloud9 Healthcare. Um, we're an AI company that uses um, augmented intelligence to build distributed ledger technology. Uh, one of the main issues within the healthcare space, obviously for interoperability, is just the amount of data that you're dealing with. You have to deal with several regulatory issues, compliance issues, and also cybersecurity. It's just a ton of data you have to comply with constantly. One of the issues that we found with artificial intelligence is that it just has a bottleneck. AI, artificial intelligence is only specific, specifically built to handle um, uh, individual tools, and it struggles with any type of unstructured data. Whenever you enter the um, healthcare space, a lot of the data that you're, that you're dealing with is unstructured, like PDF files. You're dealing with genomic data. Um, you're also dealing with um, any type of um, medical data. Most of that data you're dealing with is all unstructured. So that's one of the reasons why we're using augmented intelligence is that um, we don't need any type of supervision to actually handle or ingest any type of data. So it eliminates the months of work and coding that's required by any type of data scientists or data engineers. Now, one of the issues behind the architecture that you're speaking about in terms of these legacy systems, it's all just query based. And we know the complications behind it, behind getting your data and organizing and aggregating it in a timely manner. Now, one of the reasons, one of the ways that we solve this is that we directly port data into our intelligence system. So none of your data is ever left behind, regardless of the enterprise system that you're dealing with. And so what you create with your data is a many-to-many -many relationship. So um, every user has access to all of their data and every combination of data is automatically correlated. So the organization has a single source of truth, regardless of their data source. How do we do this? Data is directly ported into our intelligence system. What's happening is that regardless of your database, EMR system or software system, we directly port data into our source. The reason why we can do this is that we have our own proprietary language so we can automatically handle any type of unstructured data. What's happening is that as the data is ingested, we're browsing the data. And what we're browsing it for is that we're actually deduplic, we're pre-processing any duplicate data. So we, we want to eliminate any type of storage space required on the back end from a designer or any database uh, uh, warehouse. Also what's happening whenever we're digitizing the data, we're also privatizing the data, giving the data its own algorithm. So whenever you share information, the recipient needs its own thought key in order to receive the data. Also normalizing the data simultaneously and correlating it all at the same time, aggregating data at the real, in real time so that anyone that accesses the data can share it and run any type of models they want. Now, what's the benefit? Entirely modernizes your, your data sources. We're reducing a, a majority of your storage space. There's no coding or querying ever required. Now, what's nice is that now you can access your data in your own natural language, the way that you currently do business in, whether it's voice, email, you don't have to access your data using a query any longer. You don't have to go to your IT department to get your data. The idea behind building our distributed ledger technology on our platform, no more mining required, no more payments, no more exchanges, 
no more queries, no more coding, or processing over a million transactions per second. These are the organizations that we're working with, all global organizations, and the purpose is to actually share data across the globe. All these organizations require us to share data according to the data sovereignty requirements, regardless of the organizations that they're sharing data with. For example, at the CERN, there's over 3,000 scientists that are located at the CERN, but in, in their partnerships, there's 15,000 scientists across the globe. So we have to build the network in order to uh, meet all of their enterprise requirements. So uh, in, in uh, the case of Novartis and GSK, it's all the same process as well. All these organizations want to share proprietary information, but also they want to maintain a lot of their own personal data, own, their own intellectual data. The main issue is that we're trying to solve and the problems that all these organizations have is that with COVID-19, none of their data folks can actually work from home. So we're building an automated system that will aggregate their data so they can model it immediately and share data on the fly. As I mentioned, there's no technical expertise required. The main important, the main important part about putting our intelligence in someone's hands is that um, they can actually operate the data under their own uh, natural language and retrieve the data without any technical expertise. And it eliminates the months of coding and uh, any type of backend uh, warehousing that's required. So no data is left behind. Technical expertise on our team, everyone has at least 25 years of experience. I've dealt with database architecture since the started in uh, early or late 90. And then in 2004, I moved strictly within the healthcare space um, started working within um, specifically with the EMR uh, uh, applications such as Cognizance, Facets applications. We've been solving interoperability issues between Epic and Cerner for years. Uh, my AI architects all have 25 years of experience. My uh, head of uh, innovations, he's been working with, comes from the World Health Organization. Um, I've got additional programmers on my team that are coming on board. Carl, uh, he raises one of the best, 30, uh, one of the world's 30 most influential programmers and computer scientists in the world. So we're definitely addressing some very complex problems with our technology. So thank you for your time. Um, I would love to answer additional questions. I could actually show you what we're deploying out by the end of the year. We actually have our, um, our first healthcare platform that we're going to deploy out for a healthcare provider. If, how, do, how does time service at the moment? Orlando. Okay, guys, so this is gonna be uh, for project number four. So please uh, go for the uh, evaluation form for project number four.
Thank you very much. In the meantime, I can um, explain a little bit what yeah. uh, you, you just watched in the video. So actually our platform, I mean, you already uh, watched our video. It's about uh, using the blockchain to register your bio sample or your bio specimen, right? So we create a non-fungible token. I don't know if you are familiar with those type of, of, of tokens. They, they are very famous because of the CryptoKitties kind of, of game. But actually this is a very cool innovation or very cool uh, application of blockchains. So what we do is we create two type of, types of, of non-fungible tokens um, in order to represent your biospecimens and also the residual data once the laboratory process your saliva in this case. Right now we're just focusing on saliva Saliva has many um, applications right now, uh, including COVID-19. The FDA just approved the first one, but it's um, uh, a very good source of DNA, even compared to blood, in terms of being not invasive. So we also have uh, an individual uh, kit, and we also offer a family kit, where there's a mom, dad, and kid uh, kind of, of box. They, they all uh, share a wallet with a specific governance. So it includes three private keys, one for mom, one for dad, and one for a trusted third party that could solve any potential uh, conflict to decide over the minor's data. So this is our patent pending uh, anonymous saliva DNA kit. And it, uh, the, the, our secret sauce is that we use 96 exclusive SNPs from each of the participants. So we create a, a very personal wallet. 96 SNPs from each individual is very, very small um, uh, amount of DNA data, but enough to create a DNA fingerprint for your biospecimens and also for your, for your data. So this, um, this identifier is, is also persistent inside the laboratory. This is based on scientific papers. And this is how it works a little bit. Um, for the sake of time, I will not get into much detail, detail. But here we have Alice that wants to, of course, uh, uh, share her, her DNA data with an ethical researcher. And this is a part of our business model. Our business model is really to protect against any GDPR or CCPA claim to the researchers, right? If they, if they use our platform, uh, we are kind of a legal tech kind of business model where we indemnify them if they use our platform to um, transact or exchange data with their, with their donors, right? The donors are always represented by a pseudo-anonymous uh, ID, but they are always uh, are in control because they, they, they use their, their private key or their wallet in this case to sign all the transactions. And they, we use the blockchain to send signals uh, in terms of GDPR. So donors have three main rights. So they have the right to um, revoke at any moment. 
um, they have the right to um, uh, request to be deleted. And of course, they have the, request, uh, the right to be to own their data or be the the owners of the data using our our platform. So we have uh, traction. We just raised uh, half a million dollars on Republic, and we are uh, invited to do a second round. So we're thinking to do a second round because there's a lot of people interested, and we did that during the pandemic. So we, the British Blockchain Association, just uh, awarded us. Um, and uh, the block 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 one VC arm of, of capital also gave us a, a grant of 50k to uh, incentivize the use of their EOS platform, um, just to to incentivize uh, the 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 use of a COVID-19 um, anonymous COVID-19 kit as well. So. We have amazing advisors from the biobanking industry, and our main mission is to empower donors of DNA to be able to control and trace their samples and uh, enforcing it through the local, local uh, privacy laws, uh, using the, the blockchain to signal what they want uh, the researchers to do with their biospecimens and saliva. Um, I believe that's um, pretty much it. Um, thank you very much. Excellent. Thank you very much. Um, it, was, it was very good. I'm glad that you were able to connect. And you can just go ahead. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Orlando and Joyce, for uh, allowing us to um, help with this. The presentations were really fantastic, so I really enjoyed um, listening to everything. So uh, my name is Mike Frostiak. I'm with a company called Optive. And, um, we're a security solutions integrator, and I'm going to try to keep this brief so Orlando can compile his notes. I have 134 slides that I'm going to go through in five minutes. Um, just kidding. Um, some of the things that I was trying to think about uh, when uh, I, I got a chance to be involved with this, uh, I'm relatively new with Optive. I've been here about five months and um, was previously with a company selling cybersecurity training. So. My uh, thoughts are, are and, and just comments about us is from a cybersecurity perspective. Um, some of the things that, that we think about here, we have a white paper on this, but the, you know, the top three challenges that organizations are going to have to think about with blockchain is, is does it uh, provide you know, a business advantage to, your organ to an organization? You know, can your organization trust blockchain technology? And three, um, you know, trust is a central concept in blockchain, but... Uh, blockchain by default is is not uh, secure. Um, some of the best practices that that uh, we're we're seeing here from Optiv is, is really uh, all the ifs and and trying to uh, prepare for you know uh, complicated uh, uh, scenarios and uh, going through the hype and trying to find out uh, uh, the reality of, of um, making an implementation like this, you know, and it's unclear whether blockchain is a fundamental shift or, or one of many technical solutions at the disposal of organizations for pursuing digital transformation and, uh, you know, to gain a competitive advantage. Uh, some of the things we see is, you know, to be, be sure to define your use cases that can articulate the benefits of the value clearly, uh, 
know, this is just critical to a number of technologies because there's a number of technologies involved. And um, the challenges of decentralizing cert certain uh, business activities to the level uh, of trust required uh, for the potential costs. Other be best practices uh, are recommended as follows. You know, just designate a top level manager within that organization uh, who can closely manage and monitor the blockchain initiatives and their uh, funding and, and progress of the outcomes. You know, scrutinize the technology involved in the blockchain solution and, and conduct scenario-based planning based on you know, the dynamic architecture that may be completely different in a few years. Um, develop blockchain software either internally or using vendor products using well-defined processes, evaluating the architecture, uh, testing and validating the vendors' uh, claims, managing the software lifecycle development process uh, with security on top. And a lot, of, a lot of organizations develop solutions and don't plan in the security aspect of it, and they make that as an afterthought. Obviously, with blockchain, that security is, 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 is a technology that, that's being planned because of the container. <laughs> All right, he's muted. Um, you know, building security using a multi-level approach and, and that can leverage as many current security assets as possible. Examine tests and pilot blockchain projects exclusively prior to launch, hopefully. And then, uh, you know, maximize protection and minimize risk with ongoing uh, vulnerability assessments. Just a little bit about, you, Remembering who my clients are, some of the clients that I, I support are NASA and the USDA and the Federal Reserve Bank. Everybody's looking at how blockchain is going to try to help them. And we all have to remember that that um, all these organizations that we're wanting to, to, to bring forth blockchain and have to have resource, resource shortages. You know, there's compounding technical debt, digital transformation in the cloud. Uh, everybody's working from home nowadays. And uh, the complexity of all this is, is really enormous. Um, and then you have to think of the line, line of businesses and the board of directors to communicate this to. Uh, remember that all these people that are wanting to, to um, implement blockchain, that, that these IT folks and these security folks are dealing with all these issues that you see above. And all the underlying issues along that are, are just immense. So um, trying to make sure organizations can, can buy into to whatever blockchain solution that you're looking to, to, to orchestrate uh, with them is going to have all these other areas, of, um, areas that, that also have to receive sufficient attention to. Um, who... Who Optiviz is, is we've been around for a number of years. We're, we're the largest uh, sole cybersecurity integrator, integrator um, in the United States. And uh, that's all we do is cybersecurity and, and blockchain is part of our cyber digital transformation group. Um, we do things from a plan, build, run model. And uh, that's from an advisory integration, innovation, and security operations point of view. Orlando, you can cut me off at the knees whenever if you, ever you're done. <laughs> Uh, I'm almost done. <laughs> okay, good. And this is working out. So in our plan, build, run model, we have six areas of, of pillars of, of, of uh, services that we offer. Risk, which we've heard many people talk about, trying to understand the threat. Uh, cyber digital transformation, identity management, which is obviously we've been talking about two-factor 
authentication and integrating all that together. So the build stage of, of what we do and, and then running it and running this and having a, a security operations center that, that can understand what's going on and make, make sure there aren't any vulnerabilities that, that are being um, not uncovered from, from the, uh, the run model. And um, so we have traditional uh, services that we do from technology. We resell over 400 cybersecurity uh, technologies and platforms, and um, we support uh, application security, uh, attack and penetration testing, enterprise incident management, and uh, compliance and assessments. And uh, we also have a number of uh, workshops, not only in IDM, but in uh, IoT and uh, in threat. And the strategic services we do are program programmatic engagements. Uh, we, we do managed service, cloud, cyber digital, and uh, data fabric. And that all comes to us being a cyber a, a security solutions integrator. Who we are, in a nutshell, we're a $2.4 billion company with 7,000 employees. We have um, 1,600 cybersecurity experts that, that cover all those six di disciplines and pillars I was talking about. 400 plus technology partners and uh, 800 field staff. We have security operations centers that we actually help um, provide services for to uh, organizations that don't have the infrastructure or the manpower to run that. And uh, here's some of our locations and we actually have one in Bangalore, India for our, for our uh, Bangalore, India viewer audience. And um, let me know if you need anything. I will make this PowerPoint available uh, to anybody, but uh, just remember blockchain, everyone I'm sure knows it's a complicated process and you're gonna have to work with um, the organizations to, to get that implemented. And we're here to help uh, with any solutions. I do have a white paper I'll send to Joyce and she can share that with the rest of the team. And um, I would also have to send this presentation. Any, any final words from the winning team? Um, you know, thank you so much for the opportunity. We're excited to, uh, you know, move forward. Definitely want to, you know, social media post about the publication when there. Um, and I know Ryan's been kind of the main point of contact. So that that's, you know, we, we basically live together, work together. So <laughs> it's kind of a 24-7 thing. But, you know, very, uh, you know, thank you so much for putting this on. It was great to hear from the other uh, judges, kind of the uh, blockchain and, and kind of how they're seeing it being implemented today. Um, definitely gave us a stronger focusing point with our application. Um, and definitely looking forward to staying in contact as we progress through. And especially as we're getting into market and making sales, it will definitely, um, you know, be very helpful to kind of, you know, just report back, hey, you know, these are some of the issues we may be having with blockchain and whatnot, but definitely a great community nonetheless. And we really appreciate it. Thank you again for getting this judge group together. Very, you know, eclectic group, very knowledgeable. And we always appreciate any information we can get. So it's uh, been a great day. We really appreciate y'all. Yeah, great oh, way. Excellent. Awesome, and thank you for, for putting up for, uh, you know, through some of the uh, challenges here. This was a, a first uh, dry run for us, uh, doing this uh, real-time tallying up of, of the scores and so forth. So uh, we definitely appreciate feedback on, on the way that the event went, and um, we look forward to uh, future interactions. Tori, did you have any final uh, remarks before we sign off? Yeah, well, I really appreciate it, and I know we're over, but um, I just wanted to congratulate everyone, absolutely everyone. Um, what I think the and uh, you know team team two, I think it was, 
um, the brothers uh, mm-hmm. realize and recognize, uh, and this is actually the purpose of our ambassador chapters. Um, each chapter is charged with identifying local market gaps, educational market gaps, and filling them. And this entire process, this competition, if you will, contest um, by our uh, DVM uh, ambassadors leading this chapter are um, absolutely spot on with this initiative. And um, uh, we've realized it in uh, real time. And so I want to thank you all um, for participating and congratulate you, winning team, all our entrants, uh, all our judges, our sponsor, and again, thanks to the ambassadors, just absolutely marvelous and audience too. Awesome, thank you. Thank you, Tori, for your support. Appreciate that. Okay, with that, everybody, um, happy Friday. Hopefully uh, you guys get to enjoy uh, the nice weekend. Get a happy hour of celebration uh, for the winning team. <laughs> and uh, this was just everybody. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mike, because cybersecurity is important and we want to always keep it at the forefront of whatever applications and products and tools and services that we're offering. Of course. Thank you, Joyce. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Mike. Okay, we'll be in touch. Okay, take care, everybody.